Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business, Dr. Casey Mulligan. He is a longtime regular on the program, a professor at the University of I can't talk today, University of Chicago in economics. Uh, he was the uh, former uh, chief economist for the President's Council of Economic Advisors and really one of my favorite people to talk to when it comes to all things economics. Um, he recently testified to Congress about uh, the, the impact of regulations on Biden's regulations on the economy and on consumers and individuals. And uh, it's a very interesting uh, exchange that took place there. And I think one that is telling to all of us about the way economics is run. You know, often, uh, Casey, when I see these uh, calls for new regulations here or new actions there, there seems to be a real disconnect between the intention of the action and the, uh, all the costs that will be tied to it. No one talks about the costs that will be tied to it. And uh, that was a big part of your conversation recently on Capitol Hill. You're right. They, um, one of the things that I discovered when I was working in the White House is they, they have the right principles and what, what costs are, how to account for them, but they don't even begin to follow the principles. So the, they do publish costs for regulations. You know, there are thousands of regulations uh, a year, you know, hundreds that are fairly significant, and they publish costs with some of those, um, but they're way understated. Often they'll just say, well, what, what's the paperwork cost? You know, when we send out the notice to businesses that they can't sell their product anymore. How many minutes will it take for them to read that notice and what is the uh, value of their time? And they'll call that the cost and they won't even think about the lost opportunities. Uh, they come from a pro prohibiting, you know, my business from selling the product. So what I did is I, when we, when we were in the white house, we did an audit and we t picked out the big ones and we said, well, what are they really costing? And I, what I've done lately is use that audit to try to fill in for these hundreds of regulations that Biden has done, what are the likely costs of those, and found that it's about 5000 per year that he has the pen and the phone, as President Obama put it, doing its regulations. Um, so through two years, 10000 in cost per household. Unbelievable. It's really unbelievable when you think about it. And I love the fact that you're talking about, you know, adding in as a factor, truly as a factor, opportunity cost. You know, every economic activity, uh, you know, you, you know this, you're an economist, uh, particularly a free market-oriented one. But every, every opportunity people do or everything uh, people do um, in lieu of something else has an economic cost involved, you know, and are they making the most of that time? Clearly, uh, regulations don't even consider that as an issue when they're being designed. They're being designed by bureaucrats, most of whom have never worked in the free market. Yeah, we had also done a study on, on the Biden administration. What are, their, what are their resumes look like? Very, very few people with private sector experience. They typically came from government or from, uh, you know, Washington uh, lobbying groups. Uh, but very few would run a business or something like that. And, you know, the good thing for being an economics teacher is 
about the pandemic is people got to see opportunity costs. They got to see, you know, when we're doing one thing, like staying home and staying away from people, there's things that we're not doing, and those are missed opportunities. You know, the kids learning, um, you know, all the kinds of activities we normally do that we stopped in the pandemic, those were missed opportunities, and they were costly uh, to miss those opportunities. Making up the learning may never happen. You know, people neglected their health and things like that. Um, so opportunity costs now are vivid to even ordinary people without official economics training. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a great example of the resume, the flimsy resume is the 30-something, uh, I think she's 36, chair of the Federal Trade Commission, Lena Kahn, who's been a professional uh, and, I would argue, vindictive bureaucrat her entire career. And uh, it's very arbitrary and, and uh, really pursues an agenda beyond the consumer interests uh, in her actions. It seems like all the time. I, I'm shocked that the Democrats have even kept her, considering how radical she's been. It's certainly one thing that happens in the business sector is uh, people get fired when they do a bad job, but it doesn't seem to happen. You remember when Obamacare rolled out, and what a complete joke that was. I mean, just doing the website, forget about the health insurance or the health care, and nobody got fired for that. Uh, so she's she's not getting fired. Um, now, by the way, her cost, the cost that she's creating, and I think they're largely around uncertainty because the court doesn't accept what she's trying to do, but it makes businesses quite uncertain about what they're going to be allowed to do because it, this is a, let me put it nicely, novel things coming out of TC. We, I didn't count those. Um, I discounted those rules that go through the federal register, um, which most agencies make their regulations that way. Uh, but FTC does not. They do it on a case-by-case basis. Um, they, they will rarely put a rule through the Federal Register. Same with the Department of Justice Antitrust Division. They will do things on a case-by-case basis. They're doing damage, too, as we speak. Um, and I didn't count that. So it, in that sense, the $10,000 through two years is a low, uh, low ball number. Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, yeah, yeah uh, it's fascinating. So, so when you look at this, and again, I, I've been arguing for quite some time. As you know, I, I have huge problems with both parties, uh, with all the major players in both parties. I, I'm no fan. Um, but, you know, when I, I, I look at the situation in, in uh, this type of thing, the Democratic Party seems to me has evolved into an incredibly elitist, very disconnected uh, to its core constituents that it's claimed it's had forever um, by being so arbitrary and uh, pretending that it's easy for the average American to comply with things like this or, or for the small business that um, the Democrats have, have claimed to be champions of. Oh, no, we're terrified of big business. Our, our big business is bad, but we're looking out for little businesses. You and I both know that a lot of these regulations are, are actually driven by larger companies that are already in compliance with the things they're trying to advocate as a form of protectionism for big business. Now, that's the, really the dominant form of regulation. Um, and from the consumer's perspective, it often looks like, you know, the saying, um, champagne taste for people on a beer budget well a lot of the regulations you know the big companies are backing them but they try to justify by saying well you should have an electric car 
Um, you should have health insurance that Obama approves of um, rather than the type you're buying. Um, those types of regulations, um, they raise the cost of things, and they really force you to buy products that are more expensive than you would rather spend your limited budget on. Um, but, you know, richer people do buy those products, so you have to buy them too. And that, yeah, yeah. that's the cause of, an, you know, the, that's a contributing factor to the inflation that we're seeing. And certain products whose prices are increasing, um, you can trace that back to regulation, such as energy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they call it the regulatory capture, right? But guess what? Small to medium-sized businesses, they can't afford to capture regulation. <laughs> all, all they can try to do is mitigate it, you know, uh, the, on the uh, individual consequences on them. But there's large corporations that just simply make a living off of making things so incredibly difficult for uh, their smaller competition. And the government gladly complies, and then they'll sit there and say, Oh yeah, but businesses support this proposal. Businesses support yeah, they're they're billion dollars and even trillion dollar businesses that support these things. They're not they're not mom and pops. They're not the businesses that seventy uh, percent of all jobs are created by. Um, it, it's really quite bizarre. And you mentioned electric vehicles is a great example right there. Um, it is so for for on so many different factors and level. Uh, those are something that are beyond the reach of average Americans who, like everyone else, would like to have their own car and not have to do mass transit because it's forced upon them, but because it's a preference. Um, but that's a great example uh, right there of where they are literally trying to jam that down the throats of people who simply can't even uh, afford them. Yeah, that's very typical. And the, another thing that kind of makes for the marriage between some of the big companies and the regulators, you know, small businesses are a nuisance uh, to regulators. They, you know, you think of, well, should this industry have three or four very large businesses or several hundred smaller ones? Well, several hundred smaller ones is much harder to regulate. Um, they would much rather, the regulators, I mean, they would much rather have a few bigger businesses that they can mold and monitor with less effort. And in fact, the, Biden has introduced regulations to try to force the smaller businesses into bigger businesses. You have that in healthcare, that's fairly well known. Um, another set of rules called the joint employer rules are trying to take out the franchise way of doing business, um, where a corporation has a lot of small businesses do a lot of the local uh, operations for them um, because of their superior knowledge and connection to the employees, et cetera been a very successful business model and the Biden Department of Labor is trying to take that out because really they, it's annoying to them to have to keep track of all those individual franchisees. They much rather just go to some big mother corporation and tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. And again, it's an example of, you know, people, people think, you know, this is a franchise, you know, this business is huge. It's all over the country. Yeah, but that, that guy paid, you know, it depends on when he bought it. But as, as early as 10 or, uh, 10 or 15 years ago, they were paying 50 grand and 75 grand for a subway franchise. You know, people can do that. People can work to earn enough to be able to do that. And, you know, they're not mega businesses. They're, they're not Leviathans. They are true small businesses 
that needed the assistance of a marketing model like Subway had that worked. So many of those franchises are really people who work for many years to finally be able to get one. And uh, what a shock that they want to make it where these businesses are entirely in the hands of billionaires. Again, that's not a very um, uh, pro-consumer or pro-little guy approach, in my opinion. No doubt. Uh, but it, it does make life easier for the regulators. It also helps in the longer run with kind of anti-capitalist mentality. When, another problem with small businesses is those people vote. You know, they, they have families who appreciate um, the business perspective because they're in the, in the business themselves. And if you try to push everyone to being an employee rather than being their own boss, that that kind of helps on the anti-capitalist uh, rhetoric. No question about it. As we get ready to wrap it up, tell us a little bit about your experience and your testimony. Was there any surprises? What were your takeaways for the listener? I was there in person. I insisted on going in person because you really get a feel for what's important to the different congressmen and women um, when you're there in person than you, what you see on TV. And I was really struck by a couple things. The you know the pro regulation crowd. First of all, they love citing regulations from 100 years ago, like the Food and Drug Administration initial regulation, which was put in place before my grandparents were born. They're dead now, but they, before they were born, we had Upton Sinclair, the Jungle, um, that created a push for regulating food safety, and that's the kind of stories they tell. Uh, the Clean Air Act, which was from almost before I was born. Um, these things. They say they want to paint the picture like that's what regulation is, and those are not the type of regulations that we're talking about in the modern day, uh, the kinds that Obama put in, that Trump took out, Biden's putting back in. These are regulations of the kind you and I talked about, Kevin, uh, the bigger businesses, anti-competitive, uh, champagne taste on beer budgets, those sort of things. So yeah. it was impressive that they did not want to cite a regulation from the past 20 years that they actually – wanted to brag about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's very sad, actually. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad to hear that. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, hard to school people, even being a PhD in economics like you are, who don't want to be schooled, you know, and who are agenda-driven rather than uh, open to looking at things policy-wise. And, again, by the way, that's a bipartisan problem. There's blinders that go both parties-wise. And that's why we hear a lot of rhetoric, but we often don't see much get accomplished. Uh, again, a bipartisan problem. Um, Casey B. Mulligan, he's a professor of economics at the University of Chicago. Always love having you on the program. Thanks for being with us. Good to talk with you, Kevin. I'm Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. Stay tuned for more after this. <laughs> 